The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Owen O'Brien is the Sinn Féin housing spokesperson. He's with me in studio uh, to talk about concrete levies and eviction bans, amongst other things. Uh, Owen, you're welcome uh, to studio. I want to take a listen to Joe Doyle. He is a landlord in West Dublin. And this was his reaction to the decision to impose an eviction ban. He was speaking to our chief reporter, Barry White. This eviction ban now is giving an oppor- is creating uncertainty for the landlords. So there's, a, there's an opportunity there for tenants to not pay rent and not be able to be put out of the property. So that fear alone, that's like the axe wheeling over the head of the landlord. That fear alone is enough to stop other landlords getting into the market and it's been enough to cause lots of landlords to want to leave the market over the last one and, and this is gonna be this is gonna be one of the final nails in the coffin for the rental sector in Ireland in my view. Uh, Joe Doyle there, who is a landlord, he touched on a few different issues there, Owen, but first and foremost, he suggested that if people don't pay their rent, they will be protected. What can you tell us about the eviction ban? You've had some sort of briefing from government. Sure, and and Joe must have had his head under a rock for the last number of days because the government has made it patently clear that this is a a, a ban on no-fault evictions. Anybody who willfully doesn't pay their rent, anybody who damages the property, anybody who's engaged in criminal activity, landlords will still, and rightly in my view, be able to take a notice to quit in those circumstances. Those types of incidents weren't protected by the last moratorium on on evictions, a ban on evictions, and according to what the government has said and was on the front page of every newspaper today, they won't be covered uh, by this one. What we understand is the government is going to to essentially reintroduce uh, the eviction ban that was there before. What that will mean is uh, 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 anybody who has a notice to quit or where a notice to quit is issued, essentially the process will pause for five months. Why is government doing this at this point in time? And this is really important for people to understand. Tonight, if a family with children present uh, as homeless here in Dublin or in most of the local authorities, there probably will be no emergency accommodation for them. Such is the scale of the homelessness crisis that's uh, escalated over the last 12 months when the last ban on evictions was lifted uh, and such is the undersupply of social housing that that is the reality. We shouldn't be talking about an eviction ban. Uh, it is not a long-term healthy policy. It is a kind of a symbol of how badly government has handled this housing crisis, how desperate the situation is. And we've been calling since June or July for the government to introduce this. Uh, on the basis of what I've heard today, I think uh, all sitting tenants who haven't got a notice yet or all tenants who have a notice but the notice hasn't expired will probably get the protection. There's an uncertainty as to whether if somebody got a notice to quit, if they're six months or up, if they're forced to overhaul because there's no emergency accommodation, we don't know the situation with them and we won't know until tomorrow. But the real issue is if the government introduces this and, and they will have our full support if they do it and do it right, that is not enough because simply pausing evictions for five months doesn't fix the underlying problem, which is an absence of uh, an adequate supply of, of social and affordable homes. So what I've been urging Darrell Bryan to do for a number of days, <clears throat> and he's yet to do it, is outline what else he is going to do, what emergency measures would he put in place over the next five months to deliver an extra 500,000, up to 2,000 additional social homes above and beyond what would have otherwise been provided to take the pressure how, off the families. How conceivably can he do that in four or five months? Yeah. So there's there's three or four specific ways you can do it. The first is uh, there used to be a thing called the tenant in situ scheme where local authorities could purchase a private rental property with a haparaz tenant uh, in situ where they had a notice to quit. That was ended by Owen Murphy, Darrow O'Brien, only very belatedly reintroduced it under pressure uh, from the rising crisis and opposition a couple of months ago. That needs to be accelerated. Local authorities need to be instructed where the property is at the right price and the social housing applicant is in it and at risk of homelessness by the property. That's one. 
The second is Roger Gorman is currently uh, uh, looking at delivering 500 high enough grade, although albeit small, modular units for emergency accommodation for, for Ukrainian refugees. And that is a good thing. Dara O'Brien could be doing the same, but for proper uh, 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 housing size units. Again, if Roger can do it in three, four or five months, that's 500. No reason why Dara can't do it, not just for 500, but more. We also have thousands and thousands of vacant properties. And when I talk to local authority managers, they say part of the problem is if they want to acquire a vacant and refurb it and relet it, they get the money in arrears, often two years in arrears from the state. If the department was an emergency measure to give additional money to local authorities now and say, from vacant and derelicts, not stock that's on the private market that's vacant, go and buy and refurb. I think with the right will, I mean, we saw what happened with the vaccination programme. Government moved heaven and earth and we did things nobody thought was possible. I think given the scale of this crisis, given the number of adults, pensioners, children who are and will continue to be in emergency accommodation, I think if you set a target and say, let's do 2,000 additional units, like take these measures and others... I think you'll make a really serious dent into that homeless crisis. The, 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 the refurb figure, though, and and the claim that there's all these vacant properties that can be quickly turned around. There are vacant properties to be turned around, but not quickly in reality. The quick ones are turned around. The ones that take a long time are the ones that are going to cost a huge amount of money. You're not going to get them in four or five months. The first thing is it depends. And unless uh, we give the local authorities the money and the targets in advance, we're not going to know. But I look very carefully at derelict. So if you take, for example, old historic buildings and urban cores, they are expensive and they do take time for all sorts of reasons. But if you take uh, suburban houses in, in, in housing estates where actually the level of structural damage to the property is minimal, but they've been left vacant for a very, very long time, acquiring those and refurbing them can be done. I'm not saying this is easy, but we knew uh, at the end of last year where the homeless figures were going. In June and July, when I got figures from the Residential Tenancies Board and the Department of Housing, we said homelessness is going to hit 11,000 by winter. It was 10,800, the official figure, and that's not the real figure, mm. last month. It has probably hit 11,000 already. And I suppose, again, the lesson from COVID is when the government decided we're going to do something, something that they said before was impossible or people didn't think was achievable, and they set their mind to it with the right political will and resourcing, it could happen. And, and think about it this way. I, I've been active in housing since 2006, seven, and eight. I worked for Focus Ireland uh, during 2008. Homelessness at that point was an official figure of 3,000. We're now at an official figure of 11,000. Like, it's not that governments haven't had sufficient time to address mm. this. And Darrell O'Brien has missed his social and affordable housing targets for every year for three years. But before that, Owen Murphy and Simon Coveney never delivered the volume of homes that, for example, a cross-party, a Rockless Housing Committee that reported in 2016 said they needed to do. Mm. This has been growing and growing and growing. And we need an urgent emergency intervention. And a part of that has to be the winter ban on evictions uh, up until Who March. is going to do all of this work? You know, there, there's, there are not enough people at the moment to hit the housing targets. We have to build 300,000 of them by 2030. We probably have to build more in all reality. Uh, we're going to retrofit at the same time another 500,000. There's talk about putting the solar panel uh, scheme in place as well, that you're going to need uh, builders and roofers uh, up on top of steel sheds installing solar panels. And you're talking about on top of all of that, uh, in over just the next few months, uh, installing modular homes on a massive scale and... 
flipping vacant properties as well on a scale we haven't seen before in the state. Like, who's going to do it? Where are the builders? Well, first of all, uh, I talk to a lot of companies who are producing the really, really high-grade, long-lasting uh, uh, timber frame housing products. And they're actually saying they're ready to go. They're saying their problem is they can't just get the orders. What they need is somebody to come along and say, subject to meeting all the building controls and fire safety regulations, we have a pipeline for you. Give us a price. So until that happens... You don't know the volume, but they are telling us, give them the pipeline uh, and they will produce it. A thousand units isn't an awful lot, given that the way in which these units are manufactured uh, on a factory basis. Likewise, with the tenants in situ scheme, those, pro- those properties are there, right? The people mm. are living in those properties, buy them. Sure, I, I, I'm not underestimating the scale of the challenge, but it is about priorities. And when I walk around Dublin City and I see some of the stuff that's getting built, Right, stuff that we do not need in this city. What do we need? We need affordable homes for working people. We need safe and secure roofs over the heads. What do we not need? What would you like to see? What would you like to see? Uh, not being built in favour of homes. Right, so right now, uh, yes. in, if you take my constituency, uh, I think we need a few less data centres, thank you very much. Not just for the energy security issues, but also for the construction sector workers. Likewise, we don't need any more apart hotels. We don't need any more high-end, super expensive uh, built to rent right now. What we need, because we haven't got any of this, either in Dublin or Cork or Galway or Waterford, is significant volumes of genuine Why don't we homes. need any more expensive built to rent? Right now, the priority has to be the stuff that hasn't been built uh, and because it's not available is forcing people to move out of Dublin, for example. Uh, I was talking to but a if school... But if you build that expensive bill to rent and they're charging two grand for whatever, for a one-bed uh, kind of studio apartment, right, that might stick in your craw, my craw and the craw of anybody else with a bit of sense. But it means that somebody in your constituency can't charge two grand to, so somebody can live in their garden shed. It's, it, it's not the way it works. And and if you look at what's been happening, for example, with housing need, both in terms of social housing need and affordable housing need, it's just growing and growing and growing. There, there's this thing that people say, if we build a lot of very, very high-end, uber-expensive apartments, and look, every housing system needs a small portion of those. Mm. But if you build loads of those, you'll have this so-called kind of trickle-up effect where uh, the people who ultimately end in the high-end stuff move out of the low-end stuff. Those people were never in the low end or mid range uh, 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 private rental accommodation. And the difficulty is. is They're moving in from somewhere. Yeah, or they could be new household formations, they could be new people coming into the country to work in, in high tech companies. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. We have to provide housing for those people too. But right now, the priority, the most urgent priority is, first of all, to stop uh, the flow uh, of adults and particularly children into emergency accommodation. And in doing that, to increase the supply of social housing, again, Three years in a row, government's anemic targets haven't been Mm. met. Affordable housing, virtually none have been delivered. So it's a question of priorities. I have to say, I I think we can actually get more out of the construction sector than is currently being delivered if government made some changes to procurement in terms of approvals and tendering, etc. with departments. But it's also about priorities. And the idea that it is acceptable for Graham King, for example, and his wife and their two children, they were featured in the uh, uh, RT television show I did last night, are 53 days in a tent. She works full time. He's on disability allowance and he's a care for two special needs children. We're at risk of normalising a level of acute housing need in a country that is wealthy, has a lot of construction sector workers, has thousands of vacant homes and has state-of-the-art modular uh, building companies who want to provide good quality homes but nobody is giving 
giving them the pipeline. So this can be done. Don't let anybody in government tell you it can't. Um, so before I let you go, uh, the news this afternoon seems to be that the government are going to relent somewhat on the concrete levy. So a 5% levy on concrete as opposed to 10% and it's not going to kick in in April. It's going to kick in next September. This is the levy to help fund for the uh, fund the MICA redress scheme. Your reaction? Yeah, so all we know from the, the leaks to some other media is they're thinking about reducing the uh, the levy to 5% and not applying it to precast products. Now, what that means, of course, is anybody building big apartment blocks, for example, or big, big infrastructure products won't pay. But that then heaps more of the burden on the self-builders who are dependent on the block or the SME builders. Uh, and again, it ignores the key criticism Sinn Féin has made. We want industry to pay. Uh, we want a properly designed levy, but put it on profits, not on products. Put it on companies who can absorb those and spread it across a wider range, including banks uh, uh, and quarries and, and block manufacturers. And I think a lower levy, spread more evenly on profits, is fairer, will deliver more money and less risk of it being transferred ultimately on to either folks desperate to try and repair defective homes in Donegal, Mayo and elsewhere, facing into an appalling winter, or people desperate to buy their own home. Oh no, Bryn, Sinn Féin's housing spokesperson. Oh, thanks a million for joining us here in studio. After the break, the Beckham family feud continues. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.